Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. I have a terrible cold. I'm guessing you can probably tell by the sound of my voice. I don't often get sick. I've never had COVID. The last time I was sick with a cold was December of 2019. I was doing this podcast back then, and I remember having to push through and deliver an episode with severe congestion. I'm not pleasant to be around when I'm sick. I'm grouchy. This episode is being recorded on a Sunday afternoon. I haven't bathed or changed my clothes since Thursday. I'm wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt and socks. And I get into bed wearing this outfit, and I get out of bed wearing this outfit. I'm heavily medicated. I'm taking DayQuil every three hours, and I'm swallowing Advil like they're M&Ms. I'm drinking lots of water. I'm eating soup. I do not like being sick. I like breathing through my nose, and it's very difficult to do that right now. I've been walking my dog every morning for an hour, but after that, I'm laying on my back, intermittently reading books, and looking at my phone, and sleeping, and taking meds. I feel like hell. I look like hell. This is exactly why there is no visual component to this podcast. I could be telling you I'm sitting here in a tuxedo, and I just had a nose job and a haircut, and you wouldn't know the difference. Still, I am determined to deliver a great show for you, and that's exactly what I intend to do. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners of this program is, if you love the show, and if you'd like to help to support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 10 self-published novels that are all currently available worldwide, in both ebook and paperback versions via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all 10 of my stories in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. <laughs> People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 258 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thanks for checking it out. Thank you for spending time with a sick person. I appreciate it. I woke up Thursday morning with a sore throat and aches all over, and uh, that sore throat during the course of the day turned into clogged ears, uh, clogged nose, and uh, just a general feeling of uh, lethargicness. Is that a word? Lethargicity? And uh, just uh, awfulness, you know, and uh, I, I immediately started taking Advil and taking DayQuil, and uh, yes, I've got a bad, bad cold, And but I've been resting up and trying to take care of myself. Fortunately, this started on Thursday. I work from home Thursdays and Fridays, and uh, so I've been able to avoid the office 
avoid uh, uh, my coworkers spreading this to my coworkers. I'm, I intend to go to work tomorrow. Today is Sunday, as I mentioned in the, the monologue. I feel a lot better. Uh, I may not sound 100%, but I do feel better, and I'm assuming that tomorrow morning uh, I will be a little bit better and, and be able to, to, to walk into work, and nobody will be none the wiser unless they listen to this podcast episode, then they'll know. <laughs> no, but I'm suffering from. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do. I do not like being sick. It it is not not fun at all. I do not. I do not dig it. As as does anybody really? No, I don't think so. I mean, the only good thing about it is like it gives me an excuse to lie down and read. And I was reading a Haruki Murakami book. I finished his latest. I say his latest. It was published in 2015 in Japan and didn't come out here until uh, just this year. Called uh, the novelist as a novelist as a vocation. And it was really interesting. It's basically sort of like his on writing. I don't know if you've ever read like Stephen King on writing. It's an excellent book. I'm not a huge Stephen King fan, but his book all about the process, his process and uh, and how he does his thing and how he edits and how, what his inspirations are are all, all very interesting. And this Murakami book was, was similar in that, that respect where, you know, how he got his start, how he got his inspirations for his stories and... Uh, he talks about his process and uh, his habits, and uh, it's all very, very interesting. And it's never preachy or heavy-handed. It feels like, oh yeah, this is—he's just a regular guy, just trying to draw inspiration from what he can and put him into these stories and come up with interesting things for people to enjoy. And uh, it's uh, as a novelist myself, I love reading that kind of a kind of a thing in in order to say like, oh yeah, there's—I feel simpatico, you know. There's—I feel like a, there's a. Uh, community of us out there, and we're all just kind of uh, hammering away at these things, doing our doing the best we can, and trying to to do this for the love. You know what I mean? I think that's why I do it. Um, what else can I tell you? Oh man, like I'll tell you, like I mentioned, not being in a good mood, like being grouchy. Yeah, man, I am not cool to be around when I am I am sick. I am like you know, and I've a, a I just like I have breakfast and then I go right upstairs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I just like I, I know I know how I could be. I could be you know. I can be a crab, you know, and uh, so I do not, I'm not around people. I, uh, I, I, the last person I spoke with outside of my household was my therapist on Wednesday night, and I was fine. Wednesday I was fine, and then we even talked about, like, maybe this should end soon, meaning, like, maybe it's time, you know, how will I know when it's time for me to, to end therapy? Because things have been going well for me in terms of my home life, in terms of my work life. Uh, she said, that's entirely up to you. And we could talk about it. Maybe we scale back on appointments. Right now I go and I see her every other week. She's saying, maybe we just go once a month. So I'm going to consider it. She's going to retire in the, in the summer of, uh, of 2023. So at that point, I'm either going to have to find another therapist or uh, I'm going to have to stop going entirely. But I don't know. I feel pretty good. I, you know, I feel like uh, that's helped. I, I recommend that to anybody. Um, I say obviously, but no, I was going to say I recommend that to anybody. I don't know if you've ever spoken with somebody with a professional in order to talk about your problems and stuff you're dealing with, but I think it's very helpful. And I've, I've done that uh, off and on throughout my life, and I'm doing it right now, and it's, uh, it's a good thing, and it's helped. But uh, it's come to a point where there's not a lot of... Not a lot of the bad stuff to talk about. It's you know, it's a lot of good things happening in my life. So I feel I feel like, uh, th and I'm, I try to put into anything that she recommends into action, and I think that's uh, that's helped. Uh, shoot, uh, I didn't mean to get serious with that. You know, what else was going to tell you? I was I was talking about getting crabby. Yeah, I, you know, I woke up from a nap today, and I was like, oh, you know what? I should tweet something really nasty about this celebrity. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, you know, I was thinking about this comedian, you know, and I was like. Boy, he's a funny-looking person, you know. I was just gonna say I should I should tweet something really nasty about them. Like, what kind of person does that? 
What kind of monster would I be? And I just said, Andy, you're, you, this is not you. Do not do that, first of all. It's, first of all, is that going to make you feel better? And I said, nah, maybe a little bit, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, you said, I, then I asked myself, are you just doing this because you're sick and you feel like crap? <laughs> and you're, and, and you're, uh, you're grouchy? And I said, yeah, probably. And then I said to myself, don't do it, Andy. Don't, don't, first of all, don't ever, you know, criticize some, the way somebody looks because that's just the way they look. You can't, they can't help it. You know what I mean? And uh, that's mean. And you're just, you just want to do this because you're, you're in a bad mood and uh, it's not cool, dude. So, so put the phone down and go back and lay, lay yourself down and read a book. <laughs> but yeah, man, I got up and for a minute there, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I should be real. I should be a real jerk to this person, <laughs> this celebrity that I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you gotta, you, gotta, you know, like, you know, I've been on, I've been on Twitter for what, for too long. All right. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've, I've written things on there that have gotten me in trouble for sure. You know, but, uh, but you, you, I gotta learn my lesson at some point. All right. Okay. Let's move along here. Sorry about that folks. Um, oh, let's get to some music stuff. All right. This is cool. All right. Um, this is, this is wild. First of all, I, I, I can't say the name of this, this band because therein lies the rub. Okay. Because I've been pronouncing the name of this band wrong for years now. And I didn't even know until I saw this clip. Okay. I was on TikTok as one does, as one is. Uh, and I was, uh, looking at, uh, TikToks from, uh, NME, the New Musical Express, the British, uh, British music magazine that's been around forever. Right. And they've got a, they've, they're on TikTok, just like any publication, any major publication has a TikTok profile at this point. And uh, they, there was a video of these uh, three sisters in a band, and, and at this point you may know who I'm speaking about. Um, and they were talking about uh, BTS, the, um, the boy band, BTS. And uh, they were, this is tw from 2021, it was at some kind of uh, British uh, award show. And these, these three sisters were talking about them, and they mentioned the name of their act, and I was like, what? I didn't know that? Check this out. All right, here it is. Go ahead. Yeah, you're I mean, BTS, but yeah. you're trying to find I was going to ask yeah. you. Have you I was going to ask BTS? you. Have you, talked, have you talked to BTS? Yeah. Have you? If you were in the room, right? Have they come down the carpet yet? Because trying oh. to find BTS. I'm really trying to find BTS. Oh. <laughs> I'm really looking. I'm looking for them. If they're here, V... V, I'm here, my name is ST. Both our names are letters. <laughs> ST and V. Yes. That sounds like a match made in H-E-A-V-E-N. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if we, you see them, let them know that we're please pound the Heim alarm. Yes. <laughs> BTS collab, imagine. I mean, when? That would be, that would be me. let's go. Let's when? Go. Please pound the Heim alarm. Excuse me? Heim? I've been saying Haim. I had no idea. H-A-I-M. Heim. Who knew? Not me. Uh, by the way, I'm a fan. I like, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Heim music fan, but I'm a fan of uh, Danielle Heim on uh, that Vampire Weekend album, uh, Father of the Bride. She's phenomenal on there. She sings, I think, three songs, three duets with uh, Ezra on there that are just phenomenal. And uh, Danielle Heim... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That is Danielle Heim. Alana Heim, rather, in Licorice Pizza is so charming. Holy moly. Have you seen that, by the way? It's so good. 
that movie, Licorice Pizza. They got Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son as the lead in that movie. Uh, and uh, as one of the leads. The other lead being Alana Haim. And uh, they're wonderful in it. The, it, it the, the third act kind of takes me out of it a bit. Once, once Sean Penn shows up, I'm just like, oh my god, yeah, why? I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't think Sean Penn understood the vibe of the film because he, he kind of corrupts the film entirely at that point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, Haim, who knew? Not me. I thought it was Haim. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. But uh, I, I looked it up after seeing this clip just to check. And yeah, sure enough, there's a clip on YouTube of the ladies in Haim, the sisters, telling folks exactly how to pronounce her name, that it's not Haim, it's Haim. And, and when I go around talking, I must sound like a fool because I've been, oh, you into this band Haim? <laughs> like, what? No, Haim, Haim. Okay, there's another clip I wanted to play. This is another clip I found on TikTok. As I'd said, I'd been, uh, I'd been um, watching, looking at my phone a lot while I'd been resting up in between reading, taking meds, and sleeping. This is a fellow by the name of Shep Gold. You can Again, you can find this fellow on TikTok. I recommend you do. If you like music opinions, Shep Gold has a lot of them. And uh, he's a 50-something-year-old musician from Portland, Oregon. And uh, this was an interesting clip of him talking about uh, Nirvana's Nevermind compared with Appetite for Destruction. I think somebody had asked him whether or not he'd prefer... Uh, Nirvana's Nevermind or Appetite for, for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And uh, I thought this was a great question. And I, I immediately put it up on my TikTok as, I'm sorry, my Twitter, rather, as a poll to see what uh, what my followers thought about this uh, this question, what they would uh, choose. I think last time I checked, I think the poll is still going at this point, the, the point of this recording. Um, but I, Nirvana was in the lead. But uh, Shep Gold did not concur with that, and uh, he had some interesting reasons. I thought they were pretty good, so I'm going to play that for you. I'm going to turn this up because I think his is a little lower. So I'm going to turn up the volume on this here, and uh, we'll listen to Shep Gold uh, talk for a minute or two about Nevermind, Nirvana's Nevermind and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction and which, he, which one he prefers and why. And this is pretty, uh, pretty insightful, and I thought uh, he, he, had a, he, had a, he did a good job articulating his reasons, reasoning. Check this out. Nevermind or Appetite for Destruction. Nirvana, Guns N' Roses. Nirvana, the album is like a blue sheen. It's got a similar thread that goes through all of the songs, interwoven. There, they could be one long song, but it's not. They're separated. The bubba and the peak. You got smells like Teen Spirit. Now you move over to Appetite for Des Destruction, and it's a smorgasbord of all these individual little nuggets of just running around everywhere. Every single song is totally different. They all differentiate themselves. They all have their own personalities, aggressive, crusty, messed up, whatever. They're coming out into the world, and you cannot shut them up. I'm going with Guns N' Roses. I'm going to go with Appetite for Destruction because the individuality of each song. But I love Nevermind, but I'm going to give it to Appetite. Never mind or appetite for pretty good, right? Pretty good, you know. You know, and I was listening to to both albums again, and uh, in thinking about them, and I mean, Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, that's a that's a masterpiece, really. The, the Sweet Child of Mine may be better than any individual song on Nirvana's Nevermind. Like you, you could put that song against every one, and I think it's it's it may be better. It's it's just there's so much to it. There's so much going on. There's so many changes. Uh, the guitars are beautiful on there. Axel is astoundingly great on that that uh, that song. And uh, yeah, I know Guns N' Roses, problematic for sure. Okay, and I've talked about Guns N' Roses on this podcast before. Yes, they're problematic. 
Do I think uh, Axl Rose has uh, since redeemed himself? I don't know. He seems to be very progressively minded now. When I, I understand that there was a time when he'd said some uh, awful things and hateful things and uh, stuff I would not uh, uh, agree with at all. But uh, but I think maybe he's redeemed himself in, in time. And uh, again, if you look at his social media presence, at least from what I've seen, unless I've missed something, he seems to be he seems to be pretty uh pretty on the up and up in terms of uh, in terms of his ideology and his politics and whatnot. He seems to be somebody straightened his act out. You know what I mean? You know, and, and, and hey, hey, who knows? You know what was going on in that man's life? You know, without there's a lot of drugs and a lot of fame and and uh, could have really twisted up his mind. You know. Anyway, uh, shoot. Whew, that's about it. I I I I'm I'm so happy I made it through without coughing or sneezing or snorting. I was so concerned about doing those things. I know I sound awful. I really appreciate you folks listening. And uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful I'll be 100% by the time I'm recording next week for you. I'm glad I didn't uh, didn't sneeze or cough or snort <laughs> because uh, I would have been an absolute hypocrite. As I, I know I, I, I seem to take other podcasters to task when they do that. I think it's obviously disgusting to hear. Uh, hey, have a great week, but the show isn't over yet. I want you to keep listening. Because right now, I'm going to hand things over to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines, with the Chart Chat. Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened to the mini episode from last week. I got some nice feedback, uh, mainly about Reggie's cameo. And thanks to Andy for making that available on the feed. Our chart from the 70s this week is November 29th of 1975, and at number 100, there's an English vocal trio called Prelude with their cover of Jackson Brown's For a Dancer, which is fine, but it really reminded me that a couple weeks ago in 1974, I forgot to include Prelude's best-known song, an acapella rendition of Neil Young's After the Gold Rush, so I'm calling an audible and sharing it with you now. The song hit number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was number 21 in their native UK. According to a citation-needed quote on the group's Wikipedia page, the three first sang After the Gold Rush while waiting at a bus stop in Stocksfield. After the Gold Rush was also covered by uh, Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmylou Harris as their group trio, and I would say their arrangement seems a little bit similar to Prelude's. Getting into the picks from 75, uh, at number 77, uh, we have the Pointer Sisters with Going Down Slowly. That would make it to number 61. This was the second single off of their third album, Steppin'. That would be the follow-up to How Long. And the album version is nearly eight minutes. It's a little bit long, but it's a, they had a good groove going. And the single edit is available on YouTube if you're interested. At number 71, we have Never Been Any Reason by the group Head East. That made it to number 68. And something that surprised me was that Head East are an American band. They're from Eastern Illinois. And I always assumed they were from, like, you know, just down the street from Foghat over in the UK or something. This was the first single off of their first album, Flat as a Pancake. And I'd say it's pretty well known to like, classic rock fans, but I don't know that it's really, you know, breached containment or, you know, not like, you know, how some of these Journey songs have that just everybody knows them. So to share it with you. An interesting thing on this one is that the lead vocal line alternates between their drummer Steve Houston and lead vocalist John Schlitt, and then the whole group harmonizes on endings of lines and the chorus. It's just a fun song. Thought people would like to know about it. Uh, at number 65, it's Ambrosia with Nice, Nice, Very Nice. 
and I make a couple more spots to number 63. This was the second single off of their debut album, and I feel like they were right to lead off with Holding On To Yesterday because Nice Nice is definitely weirder, and both of them are much different than that later sound just two albums in to come. Not much to say about this one, it's just it's a little bit strange, but check it out. Uh, the last one I wanted to feature, I, this one again, people know I guess, but it's uh, Fox on the Run by Sweet. It's at number 26 this week, you'll make it to number 5. This is the first single written by the band, rather than the hitmakers Mike Chapman and Nikki Chin. Uh, you see their names all over the history of power pop music. It's off that Desolation Boulevard album. Um, and there was two different versions, there's an album version and then they re-recorded it in 75 for the single. And the single is said to be the more well-known version. Turning to the 80s, uh, this week we're in December 2nd of 1989. And I wanted to point out that uh, Pump Up the Jam was at number 16 this week. And, you know, it doesn't need to be an official chart pick because everybody knows that one. But just we can take, well, I think, you know, in general, some of this stuff from the like late, you know, 89 into 90, it kind of went down the memory hole. And, you know, especially... Maybe people assume that's a 90s song. You could make the argument, you know, it could be like one that both decades claim. Uh, at number 52, we have Tears for Fears with Sowing the Seeds of Love. And that would make it to number two. This is the first single off of their third studio album, The Seeds of Love. It's been compared with late period Beatles. And I looked it up in my number two singles book. And I saw that they were inspired by seeing uh, singer-pianist Alita Adams playing at a hotel lounge in Kansas City. And just the type of how she played with such soul and had more freedom in how she performed. And they felt they were lacking that in their music and so wanted to take it a different turn for this album. And she actually played and sang on three of the songs. At the time, in 89, I didn't really like this song, but it's definitely grown on me. I can appreciate it for its unique style. At number 44 is Skid Row with I Remember You. This will make it to number six. This is the third single off of their first album. And it sort of follows that pattern that a lot of these hair metal bands had with a heavier song for the first single and then, you know, coming with their more of their power ballad. This was written by their bassist Rachel Bolin, that's a guy Rachel, and guitarist Dave the Snake Sabo. And this song, at the time, it made me feel like that uh, quote from Futurama, I can't wait till I'm old enough to feel ways about stuff. And I just think it's funny that there's a line in the lyrics of uh, Love Letters in the Sand, which is also a Pat Boone song. And then, of course, Pat Boone went on to have that metal album. So maybe someone put a bug in his ear. These, these metal guys are referencing you, man. At number 37 is Joe Cocker with his song, When the Night Comes. This will make it to number 11. This is off of his 12th studio album. And the song was written by Brian Adams, Jim Valance, and Diane Warren. And so it's like, I love this one in 89. And I heard it, you know, when I got more into listening to the charts. Because it's another one that kind of like just went away. You really have to, it would seek it out to hear it. I can't really imagine hearing this one on the bus, uh, 103 the bus, but you know, I remembered all the lyrics for the chorus for sure. At number 34, we have the Rolling Stones with Rock in a Hard Place off of their Steel Wheels album. Uh, but the actual one I want to uh, you know, include for you is Mixed Emotions, which was the first single off of Steel Wheels. And we haven't had an 89 chart since 18 weeks ago. So a lot of things have come and gone that I probably would have wanted to feature. So I'm just doing a little switcheroo here for you. Um, Rock in a Hard Place got to number 23, and which was their last top 40 hit. And Mixed Emotions was made it to number five. So that was their last top five hit. The Steel Wheels album was their 19th. And it was a big album in my family. We had the tape, 
And you know, my, I've talked about my dad being a big Stones lover. He played this one a lot, and I have quite a fondness for it that I think maybe other Stones fans wouldn't. And uh, I learned that this was their last album to be recorded in the Air Studios in Montserrat before Hurricane Hugo. There's a documentary that just that came out about a year ago about that studio called Under the Volcano that I need to check out. At number 19, we got Cher with her song, Just Like Jesse James. This would make it to number eight. This is the second single from her 19th album, Heart of Stone. And that was, of course, the follow-up to If I Could Turn Back Time. This one was also written by Diane Warren, uh, this time with Desmond Child. I never had any particular affection for this song, but then I've been lucky to go to karaoke with my friend Jill sometimes, and I've heard her perform this. So I asked her about, uh, and so, you know, hearing her sing it made me like it a lot more. And I asked her about it, and she said she likes it because it's sexy and playful, a little bit pessimistic, and she likes how the singer is empowered. She's an equal with the guy she's singing to, and likes the line about you're going to go down in flames. So yeah, sometimes that can happen. I think you, 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 your friend liking a song makes you hear it in a different way. Or you know, I guess maybe that's the whole thesis of this whole project. Who's to say? At number 17 is Janet Jackson with Rhythm Nation off of, uh, of course, Rhythm Nation 1814. It was the second single off of that album. And I, I would really encourage you to read up on the Wikipedia page for the single and the album. It, said, it seems like Janet really wanted to combine uh, socially conscious messages with dance music and was really interested in how, you know, she could be a part of something positive for the world. And this song was recorded at Flight Time Studios in Minneapolis. This would also go on to be a number two hit. Uh, her song, Miss You Much, was also still on the charts at this time at number 36. At number 8, we have a duet between Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville, Don't Know Much. So it also stall out at number 2. And this song was written in 1980 by married songwriters and hitmakers Barry Mann and Cynthia Vile. And it had earlier been done a few times, but always as a solo vocal. This is the first time I could tell that it had been done as a duet. And something that kind of surprised me was this was not from a movie. Because this was in the era where there's a lot of famous duets, which were off of movie soundtracks. Uh, unfortunately, this is not one of them. A missed opportunity, I would say. But I think their voices really blend together so beautifully. Um, and it's interesting to learn about how they uh, seem like the Neville brothers are performing in their uh, native New Orleans uh, for a festival. And they invited Linda to join them on stage. And it seemed like there was a bit of a mutual admiration society between Linda and, and Aaron. And it worked out great with this duet. And finally, from the 80s this week, is the group Soul to Soul with their song Back to Life. I would say probably their most known song, at least in the States, and make it to number four. And to me, this song and Sowing the Seeds is very evocative of this time, you know, in 89. And uh, the song featured vocalist Karen Wheeler, and it won a Grammy for Best R&B Performance by Duo or Group with a Vocal. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard this one, but I think it really, really holds up. Great, great sound. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff, as always. 75 chart. Wow. Great stuff on there. Holy moly. Uh, Fox on the Run by Sweet. I love that song so much. I, I had had no idea how great Sweet were until, uh, and I know I mentioned... I mentioned Tom Sharpling in the best show a lot on this podcast, but uh, 
there was a time where he'd play sweet a different sweet song at the uh, outset of every best show, and uh, I was like, oh my god, this band has hits, hit after hit after hit. Oh my god, and Fox on the Run may be my favorite sweet song. And uh, that 89 chart, my goodness, I never associated Tears for Fear sowing the seeds of love with the Beatles, but it's absolutely true. That horn section, that, that pop, 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 you know, uh, I think uh, the Beatles did that on more than one song, at, at least. Um, I'm pretty sure. Strawberry Fields Forever utilizes that kind of uh, horn interlude. And, uh, oh my god, and the, the Rolling Stones, Steel Wheels. That reminded me, I uh, I bought Rolling Stone Steel Wheels on cassette the same day I bought, at the same time, I bought uh, Pixies Doolittle. And I, I listened to both, and I, I could not get into the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels. And my stepfather was a Rolling Stones fan, so I said, here, you can have this. And I I listened to the heck out of the Pixies uh, Doolittle. I, I do like the Rolling Stones. I, I If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know... It's it, for a while they were a blank spot on my radar in terms of their discography, and I made a point to correct that and started listening to a lot of their their stuff. But uh, yeah, for a while it was just uh, not something I was uh, I could get into. Uh, what else? Oh, that Soul to Soul song had it on single. Yeah, boy, that takes me back. My goodness. Um, well, folks, this has been this has been so much fun. This has been episode 258 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace. <laughs>